when we think about the goodness of the Lord and all that he's done for us. The song says, my soul can't help but shout hallelujah. Does anybody feel like that like right now? You know how good God's been to you? You know how he's kept and preserved you? Be praised. When we say be praised, that means you don't need our permission to praise him. It means when you think about how good he is, you should be praising him already. You know, I believe, and you know, I have some strong convictions, but I believe that this season of post-pandemic people will be a praising people. What, what, what do I mean by that? You, you won't be, you don't need to be puppetized and manipulated and said, come on, praise him. You, you know he deserves to be praised. Hallelujah. You know he deserves to be praised. You know, you know how good God's been to you. I have to tell you to praise him. Hallelujah. Thank you, band. Thank you, worship team. God bless God's people. Get your Bible or your electronic device. I've got a very challenging and encouraging word for you this morning that I'm very excited about bringing to you. Turn in your Bible to 2 Kings, chapter 7, verse number 3. King James Version, 2 Kings, chapter 7, verse 3. Before I, before I read that, I want to... Remind you that we'll be fasting and praying this Wednesday from 7 to 7 p.m. And we'll be using 2 Timothy chapter, verse, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 about praying for those in authority interceding. I'll still be teaching on it. And then we'll have prayer from 6 to 7 here. And then we will have Bible class. So we need to continue to pray. And you know, you see what's going on in the world. If there ever was a time the church needs to pray, it's now. Man, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, not a house of pizza parties. And But we got to pray. We got to pray, y'all. Amen. All right, then. Second Kings chapter, second Kings chapter seven, verse number three, King James Bible reads. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? Pray with me. Bow your heads. Father, we need you. We've needed you like we have never needed you before. Help us in this hour by manifesting your grace, your glory, your power, and by doing in us, through us, and upon us only what you can do. I thank you as we surrender to the anointing and the power of your word. Be glorified through your people and this preacher in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, let me put some context to this verse in the previous chapters, but we'll just go back to chapter six of second Kings. We read that 
Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha, the prophet, was encountering the king of Syria, who at that time they were enemies of God and his people. As Elisha was surrounded by the Syrian army, Elisha's servant fears for his life, and Elisha sees his servant in distress because he thinks his life is over. He thinks he's outnumbered, and surely he's going to be killed by the Syrian army. And Elisha prays to God the Father and says, open his eyes so he can see there are more for us than there are against us. Tell somebody there's more for us than there are against us. Now say to self, say self, there's more on my side than there are against me. And so the Bible says that God opened the eyes of Elisha's servant and he sees God's army surrounding the Syrian army. You have to be able to see in levels and dimensions. That's a word right there. You got to be able to see in levels and dimensions because at before God opened the eyes of the servant, he only saw at the first level. He only saw who was surrounding him. But when God opened his eyes, he saw who was surrounding his enemies. Tell somebody, God's got your enemies surrounded. See, you looking at what's surrounding you. You need to find out who's surrounding your enemies. I'm feeling real churchy already. I really am. But I got to teach this to you. And so the Bible tells us that when God opened the eyes of Elisha's servant, Elisha then prays to God and says, God, strike him with blindness. So God strikes the army with blindness. Now they're at Dothan at this time, and Dothan is the city that Elisha lives in because they, the king of Syria sent soldiers to kill Elisha at home. Okay, let's prophesy. There's some things that attack you in your home. I want you to get some holy boldness and begin to say, how dare you come into my home and come after my marriage, my children, and my health. I want somebody to understand this morning that God is moving in your midst and you don't even know it because you're only focusing on what you can see with your natural eye. They came to Dothan. Where is your Dothan? You need to get upset about your Dothan. How dare you come to my house? You need to even put your address. Don't say it out loud because somebody might come by. But you need to say, how dare you come by 1234 Jones Court? Don't accept what the enemy is bringing to your house. Tell somebody, don't accept what the enemy is trying to bring to your house. So 
So Elijah prays and God strikes their army of Syria blind. And then the Bible tells us that, that <laughs> Elisha leads them to Samaria. They, they, he strikes them blind in Dothan, rather, and he leads them to Samaria. This is important. So now a whole army is in Samaria. They thought they were in Dothan. But the man of God leads them to Samaria. Now let's pick it up in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 20. I'm going to read some Bible. We're going to read some Bible, all right? You don't, you don't mind reading Bible? Pastor the cam. We're going to read Bible, right? <laughs> all right, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 20. And when they came into Samaria, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men and let them see. The Lord opened their eyes and let them see that they were in the middle of Samaria. Can I, can I, can I declare some things over your life? Can I prophesy? Can I, can I encourage you? There's some things that attack you and it's going to end up somewhere else. It's not even going to enter into your house. It's not going to enter into anybody in your family. It's going to end up somewhere else afflicting somebody else, but not you. Verse 21, and as soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elijah, my father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? Verse 22, he answered and said, you shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those who have been taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Watch what he says. Set bread and water before them. Tell somebody, God is about to prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Tell somebody, God is about to prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then I'm going to turn around and feed them that's been trying to starve me. And the Bible says, and they, they, and they ate. Verse 23. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. Watch this now. And the Syrians did not come against Israel again. We got to be kinder to our enemies. This, I know this is hard right now. This, this is hard, it's hard, hard. We got to be kind to our enemies. Tell somebody we're Christians. I'm saved. We don't do wicked stuff. Wicked people do wicked stuff. Saved people do righteous things. Verse 24. Sometime later, somebody say sometime later. Sometime later. Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, mobilizes his entire army and marched up and laid siege on Samaria. Now, obviously the Bible doesn't tell us but, but some of us that are old enough and been around long enough, it, it may have been that Ben-Hadad was embarrassed by the whole thing for a long time. He was embarrassed. You know, man, we ended up in Samaria. You know, they fed us and we walked back. And, man, you know. So, 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 so he sends his army to surround Samaria. And what happens? Verse 25. And shortages shortages they went to the grocery store and their favorite wasn't on the <laughs> I heard that favorite food wasn't on the shelf shortages caused by the blockade of Samaria 
and it caused a severe famine that a donkey's head was sold for two pounds of silver. And a half a pound of, a half pint rather, of dove manure was sold for two ounces of silver. You, you know it's tough for folk eating donkey heads and dove poop poop. Verse 26, as the king of Israel was walking on the city wall, a woman cried to him, help me, your majesty. Help me, you the king of Lang. Verse 27, he said, if the Lord don't help you, better hear the word of God. If the Lord don't help you, how can I help you? You better hear the man of God. Listen, we are fastly approaching a time that all of us are going to have to depend on God. If the last two years haven't taught us anything, it should be teaching us or should have taught us that there are times that even the church can't help you like you won't help. Your family, sometimes I can't get there. I, I, we put, everybody's heard that on some level. Family doesn't mean the church don't love you. Don't mean your family don't love you. Sometimes people are in such a bad situation that they have to handle their own affairs that they can't help you with your affairs. And, and, and the king said, listen, I, I wish I could help you. You better look to the Lord. I can't help you. This is in the Bible. Verse 27, he said, if the Lord don't help you, how can I help you? I can't give you something from the threshing floor uh, 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 or the wine plant. There ain't nothing. There's shortages. I'm, just because I'm the king, it's still short for me too. Verse 28, then the king answered her, what's the matter? She answered, this woman told me. This woman told me. Now, again, just for the sake of this message and how I feel in my spirit, I'm going to take a little latitude with scripture that I normally don't take. She said, this woman told me she didn't even say what her name was. She probably met her online. Of course, you know, they didn't have Internet back then, but it's some random woman told me, give me give up your son. Let's eat him today. And we'll eat my son tomorrow. Verse 29. So we boiled my son and we ate him. The next day I was looking for her. The next day I told her, give up your son. We'll eat him. But she hid her son. The Bible says in verse 30, when the king heard this woman had done this, he tore his clothes in distress. As he was walking on the city wall, the people saw he was wearing sackcloth under his clothing. Verse 31, and he said, may God do so to me or more so to me if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on his head today. So now the king blames the man of God. Your people are starving and you go after the man of God, the one that knows how to get you out of this. The reason 
they were in this is because the king of Israel at this time is the son of Ahab. And if you know anything about or remember anything about Ahab, Ahab was a wicked joker. So he taught his son some wickedness that his son was doing. Can I tell you something you already know? Everybody in authority ain't living right. That's why we got to pray. Tell your neighbor, that's why we got to pray for people in authority. Because everybody in authority ain't living right. And their decisions and their judgments affect everybody else. Why would this, obviously, <laughs> obviously this king, who uh, I think is Jehoram, the son of Ahab, obviously he ain't thinking right. Because he want to kill the man of God. If there ever was a time you need the man of God, it's when a famine hits you. It's during hard times. Hear the preacher today. Stop letting the enemy use you and your mouth to attack and destroy men of God. Three people clap. If there ever was a time we need to hear from men of God, it's when we're in a famine. It's when there's war. It's when there's pestilence. It's when times are hard. So, Benadad, the king of Syria, surrounds Samaria and he causes a great famine. <laughs> times are tough for everybody, including God's people. Let's go to Let's, 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 okay, all right, all right. Let's just go right into it. Let's just dive into it. I've been setting you up and being politically correct, not wanting to <laughs> upset you too much yet. But based on the graphic behind me, you gotta know where I'm going. See, while all of this political back and forth is going on between kings and kingdoms and prophets and people with power and influence, when all this is going on and all this energy is being spent, no one's seemingly trying to figure out how to get out of it. Everybody just seems to be wanting to kill one another, except Elisha. He's saving people's lives. He's feeding people. Hmm. I, I want to make sure you connect the dots and Holy Ghost help them. Um, why, after all this time, did Vladimir Putin attack Ukraine? Everybody was living peaceful. They built cities. People were getting married. All of a sudden, now they're just, he's destroying the cities and the families and the people that live right next to him for generations. What is really going on in these high levels of government? In the spirit realm, what's really going on? Oh, you need to know, my brothers and sisters, you need to stop being, listen, listen, you need to stop being distracted by carnal things. Yeah. So here, all this stuff is going on during this time in Israel. The capital is Samaria and Syria and the surrounding areas. Again, they're fighting one another, kings and prophets. And in the midst of this, in the midst of this, God inspires the writer to insert a story about four lepers. 
It doesn't even fit. You're talking about war between Samaria and Syria, and then all of a sudden you insert a story about four lepers. Let's go. Second Kings chapter two, verse. Second uh, Kings chapter. Second uh, Kings chapter seven, verse three, where we started. And there were four leprous men. Somebody say four leprous men. At the entering of the gate, and they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? The Bible moves from talking again about political and spiritual leaders to talking about four poor, broken, and lonely men. Why? Why does God do that? Why? What's the purpose? What is his intention? This is the things we need to pray as we read the Bible. See, at that time, lepers were the most marginalized and rejected people in society. At that time, lepers were. Lepers were rejected by society. They had to live in what was called leper colonies. They couldn't live with everybody else. They had to be isolated. And why was that? Because leprosy was so contagious at that time. Leprosy was so contagious at that time. Leprosy was easily transmitted at that time. You following me? You tracking me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Leprosy could be transmitted through nasal secretion, droplets, the touch from someone. Are y'all tracking with me? Leprosy was so powerful that it contaminated people's clothing, buildings would be condemned because of leprosy. At that time, leprosy was considered incurable. In fact, the, man, I feel God in this place. The only way leprosy was known to be cured was by God. God was the only known cure for leprosy for hundreds, even thousands of years. <laughs> These four lepers who were supposed to remain isolated. In fact, some of you know this, if a person had leprosy and they were leaving a leper uh, colony, they had to cry, unclean, unclean if they saw people, so people could steer clear of them, so people could put their masks These four lepers left their colony during a famine. Do you not know that when there's a famine, even sick people need food? Most of the time when famine gets real tough, most people only think about themselves. What about all the people in hospitals? What about the leper colonies? They needed some food. So these lepers, these four men, well, 
Let me back up. Because the Bible doesn't say there are four men. It just says there are four lepers. It could have been a husband and a wife and two children. I, I, I'm, I'm, I tend to think it was a family. Because when the hard times hit, I'm trying to help five more people. Families stick together. It, it, it probably was a man who was married and said, come on, we got to go. We, it's, it, 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 we can't stay here. That, that, that's what fathers do when they lead their families. That's, that's the thing pastors do when they say, we can't stay here anymore. You better hear the preacher. I'm prophesying. We can't stay here in this condition, mentally, spiritually, and sometimes even physically. We've got to move on. Why sit here in this condition and perish? So these four lepers, these, this family of lepers left the leper colony looking for greener pastures, looking for a place they can survive. And they find themselves at the Syrian camp before the Syrians attack Samaria. And typically the camp of soldiers or the camp would be full of soldiers. I'm calling upon those that have any military experience or at least watched gun smoke. You, you, you can usually tell if it's soldiers if you see a whole bunch of tents. And so, so these lepers see all these tents and all this military equipment and they naturally assume there's soldiers that go along with it. Hmm. But that doesn't stop them. Tell somebody after this service, Nothing's going to stop you. Say it again. Say, after this service, today, right now, nothing's going to stop me. See, they see, again, the tents, they see the equipment, and they naturally think soldiers are there. And they know they're lepers. They know they shouldn't approach this camp. Matter of fact, these are the worst people to approach. They got guns and knives and swords. I know once they see me as a leper, they're going to kill me. But what is their mentality? See, these four lepers got a strategy together. Ah, I don't mean to keep doing this, but I want this to get into your spirit. Say, I'm getting a strategy from God on how to move forward. So the shortages don't impact me. I can continue to do the will of God. Yeah, 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 yeah. These lepers, these four lepers, they get a strategy. And the first thing that they say is, why sit we here until we die? See, 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 a strategy, a strategy only comes about when you assess where you are. You, you, you got to assess where you are. Don't, 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 let, don't let outside influences tell you who you are and where you are. You, hallelujah, have to assess 
where you are tell somebody it's time to be honest with yourself. It's time to be honest with yourself. It's, it's time for the saints to be honest with ourselves. It's time for you or I or anyone to, to assess ourselves. Am I really, really saved? Am I, am I going to stop fornicating? Am I going to get right with God? Am I going to find out what God really wants for my life? It's time. It's time to assess where you are so you can develop a strategy. Because you can't keep doing what you used to do because you already know the results of what you used to do got you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so we got to have a new strategy. Somebody shout a new strategy. <laughs> they said to themselves, why are we sitting here waiting to die? See, they knew they already had an incurable disease that they were dying from. So they already knew we, we, we dying anyway. Let me, let me, let me, let me say this to somebody that's watching and maybe a few of you in here. Um, the first thing you need to realize is it, particularly if you're not saved, is you dying already anyway. You dying in your sin. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you're saved, like me, <laughs> I can't vouch for you today, but I can vouch for me. <laughs> if you're saved like me, you know you're going to die anyway. So either way it goes, we're going to die. So the question is, since we all going to die, what are we going to do before we die? Ah, <laughs> uh -huh, yeah. No one should be just waiting around to die. Write that down. Write it in, in first person. I shouldn't just be waiting around to die. Since I'm alive. See, nobody filled with Holy Ghost. No one filled with Holy Spirit doesn't have a reason to live. You already know. He's telling you every, if you listen, he'll tell you every day the reason you're supposed to be alive. That's what this story is about with these lepers. That's why God inserted it in the midst of something that doesn't hardly seem to relate. God put this story here to give people hope. This message today is designed to challenge you and give you hope. What do four of the lowest of the low on the socioeconomic scale lepers what did they do when things look hopeless if they got a strategy we can get a strategy four people you never expect to receive a great blessing during the time of war and famine receive the blessing of their lives. 
The least likely. Who, 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 who has their high school yearbook? Who can go back and look at your picture and underneath it they wrote, least likely to succeed? Uh, maybe someone wrote it. Maybe someone never wrote it. Maybe some people thought it. Maybe they told you. You ain't going to make it. You, where you going? I know you ain't going to live past 20. But look at you now. Let me, let me be transparent and help somebody. Because somebody told me that. I was, I was, I was, I was, and watch this. I was a teenager. I've just out on marijuana. You ain't going to be nothing. Let me, let me, let me, let me help you. You, you, you got you to break free from that tag. <laughs> you got to break free from that tag. And, and today you're about to break free from whatever label, whatever tag, whatever stamp somebody put on you that you've been carrying around. I came to tell you. This is a new season in your life. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm talking, man, I'm, uh, man, uh, uh, 20 so uh, years ago, God gave me a message. I never forgot it. Uh, and I'm not going to preach it now because I'm preaching another one. But the title of that message was God loves an underdog. God, God likes to take people that folk throw away. God likes to take people that people put labels on. Oh, you've been to prison. You can't. We, no, 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 no. You are the one today. You are the one in this hour. You are the one, my brother. You are the one, my sister, that God, if you humble yourself, if you submit to him, he's going to take you and do something in your life that nobody ever expected him to do. You're about to experience a blessing that's going to blow your mind because you are in the right season and you are ready for a change. Four people. Least respected. Already dying. Got an ugly skin disease. You don't look good. You're not attractive in any kind of way, shape, or form. Nobody wants to help you. People don't even want to look at you. And it's a famine and a war. How you going to make it? I came to help somebody get some hope today. You're about to receive the greatest blessing you have ever received in your life simply because you're alive today and you love Jesus and you're not going to stop. You're not going to quit. Don't let anything slow you down. Don't let anything make you quit. Are you hearing me? God is trying to get our hopes up. Look at someone and say, get your hopes up. Look at someone else and say, get your hopes up. You're in line for a miracle. You're in line for a breakthrough. As long as you've been going through. God is trying to tell us to get great expectations. And I know it's not easy. Everybody's experienced loss of loved ones through Corona and loss of businesses and things and relationship. But you got to get your expectations up. 
works. I know the devil. I've lived long enough. I've pastored long enough. If people start dying, the next thing you know, you expect more people to die. So every time the phone rings, you think it's another call that somebody died. The phone ringing makes you depressed. But I came today, oh, bless his name, to get your hopes up that when the phone rings, it may be the greatest blessing. <laughs> the greatest blessing you have ever experienced in your life. Now, if I was an older Pentecostal preacher, I'd say, everybody stand on your feet and give him praise. But then I already told you, you ought to know when to give him praise. You ought to know when to give him praise. How long has he been worthy? How long has he been worthy? How long has he been worthy? <laughs> see, see, this story of this, these four lepers, this family, as I like to call them, of lepers, they were, they were a can't-quit family. Can, can, I, can I go a little bit further? Can I use some cultural references to help you understand it? This family was a, under Joe Jackson. This family was under King Richard. I ain't gonna let you fail. I see what's in you. We're gonna live until you fulfill your purpose and your, I don't care what they say about you. I don't care what, how you look to them. I don't care what they treat you by. I'm here to tell you, you cannot quit. Touch, no, you can't touch them. Yeah, they ain't got leprosy. Touch somebody and tell them you can't quit. You cannot quit, not now. You cannot quit, not now. You cannot give up, not now. You cannot give in, not now. Doesn't, what, doesn't matter what your status is. Don't matter what they saying about you. In the street or online. Don't let the conditions stop you. That's what they did. They knew their condition, man. We got leprosy. We're going to die anyway. But we ain't going to just sit here and die. We ain't going to just sit here and die. Don't just sit in your apartment and wait till the coast is clear. Wait till the coast guard, everybody that you feel Say the coast is clear. You can come out. Don't sit in your condo. I know it's nice. You got every creature of comfort. You just bought a bigger TV so you could stay in. <laughs> Don't sit at home. Don't sit in your apartment. Don't sit in your condo and wait for the pandemic to pass. Don't sit there until you die. Don't sit there, hear me now, waiting on a magic pill. I know they, I know they finna come out with something next that's, that's just going to do it. See, let me help you. I'm trying to help you. I, 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 I worked at Abbott Laboratories for a number of years. I am not against medical science. Here's the issue. Write this down. The only thing man can do is come up with scientific discoveries. Science is knowledge. That's all it is. That's what it means. Science means knowledge. 
I don't put my complete confidence in the knowledge man can get. I put my confidence in the knowledge God has because God has all knowledge. He's omniscient, all science. So God teaches man. And of course, demons can teach man science too. And I don't want to go too far on that. That's a whole nother message when I start talking about pharmacia and the number of commercials on television now that are full of pharmacia with all these side effects. And you wonder why we're challenged with believing God because you got options. You ain't got to believe God. You can just take, uh, I don't even want to mention uh, uh, something because I try to say something crazy to be a real drug. Yeah, man wants you to think they have the knowledge that we need to heal us. No, Christ is the healer. You got to know you can't be healed unless God heal you. Another message. So back to this. These leopards knew they were dying. And they said, we collectively, they got in unison. They got in unity. They got synergistic. The church has to get unified. Strategies don't work if we don't all agree to it. Somebody needs to say amen. So they were, they, these four lepers, this family of lepers, as I call them, as I call them, they weren't waiting on a magic pill. They weren't waiting for danger to pass. They were at the place, the city gate, where they had to go through the soldiers to go into the city. (laughs) Write this down. God has something greater for you if you're willing to walk by faith and take a risk. Oh, I'm going to say that again. God has something greater for people who will walk by faith and take a risk. How how can I say that? Well, I can say that by my own life, but I can say that by the scriptures. Listen and hear what it says in in Hebrews 11.8. By faith, I'm about to explode up in here. God's keeping me together. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not even knowing where he was going. Who told you you got to know where you're going all the time? Who told you I got to tell you everything we can really do? Abraham obeyed God. He obeyed what God told him. I'm not talking about something you felt deep down in your arthritis heel. I'm talking about knowing what God is saying and do that. 
Abraham, let's read it again. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Obeyed what? The voice of God. There was no scriptures. He had to hear the voice of God. We have the benefit of Holy Ghost and scripture, and we still don't know what to do. We still scared to move. So you call your best friend. (laughs) I ain't going to go there. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was about to receive for an inheritance. God said, go over there. I'm going to give that to you. He left not knowing where he was going. Why did, how could Abraham leave a comfortable place? And go obey God without knowing where he was going. Simply because Abraham knew God keeps his promises. That's what the name Jehovah means. The self-existing God that keeps his promises. He's a covenant keeper. So why would I listen to anybody else? Because you may mean well, you may mean to do it, but other things happen, unforeseeable events happen. Well, God don't have no unforeseeable events. So whatever he promises, whatever happens along the way, God was prepared for it. Somebody lift your hands right there. Somebody's being ministered to right now. You are not alone. This was not an ambush. You felt like it was an ambush, but you have been surrounded by God's army the whole time. And you've been you failed to see it because you got in your flesh and your emotions and all you see and all you saw was what people were doing to you. But today you're about to see further and deeper than you've ever seen in your life. If you believe that, shout hallelujah as you put your hands down. See, my brothers and sisters, the truth of the matter is sometimes following God means taking a risk. I wish I had time. I know we're celebrating 25 years of pastoring in, in, in May. I had a wife and two small children. She was already off her job and I was working at Abbott when God told me to come off my job. You know what I told God? I need that Similac. <laughs> Y'all laughing? I said that for real. Lexus was a little, I need that Similac. Habit, that's, that's stuff, that's stuff expensive. Y'all don't know, how, yeah, y'all, 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 y'all too sophisticated to talk like that. I, you know, when times get tough, I go back to my southern roots and I was born up here. <laughs> I said, God, come off what? I said, I ain't got no health care for my family. And this is what he told me. I am your blue cross and your blue shield. Then he took me to Genesis 15 and it changed my life. I am your shield. Like he told Abraham, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. I'm take a risk, God. Elder Larry, I left just before bonus. 
Habit get that big, oh, some of y'all know you. Had to get that big bonus. I was about to get the biggest bonus I ever got. I'm sitting in front of HIDS like, Reverend Logan, you sure you want to leave? I said, God told me to leave. God told me to leave. She said, well, you know, you're going to miss that bonus. I said, well, God must got one bigger for me. Are you willing to take a risk? You've been, oh, I got to minister to somebody. You've been taking it. You've been playing it too safe. You've been playing it too safe. Let me just do it this way for right now. If you know you've been playing it too safe, stand on your feet. Lift your hands to God. You know you have. You know you have. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know you, you, you've been playing it too safe. But right now, because you obeyed God, because you are willing to assess where you are, because you're being honest with God, strength is coming into you. Boldness. I speak it in the name of Jesus. Holy boldness is about to come into you. Your faith is going to arise as you get refilled with the Holy Spirit and you're going to finish what you started. You're going to finish what God commissioned you to do in your home. You're going to finish that. You're going to stand up flat-footed and accomplish what God called you to do and you're not going to stop until it's finished if you believe that say I receive it in Jesus name amen you may be seated you may be seated you may be seated you've been you've been taking it too safe you've been playing it too safe you know God wants you to step out you know God told you to do it you know God you don't have to see it all before you do it you just know he told you to do it When we were buying this building, I cashed in all my Abbott stock and put it in here. Some of you that are still here did sold into it as well. Because you did that, let me, okay, 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 okay. Because I did that. I knew the devil could never take this building. What does that mean? What does that mean? The last thing I had on my mind every day was losing this building. So I could focus my attention on moving forward. See, when you lift your hands right now, God is ministering so profoundly. When you make up your mind, you're no longer going to play it safe and you're going to take a risk and you believe God and you step out by faith and you obey God. God will give you supernatural confidence and then you will know no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Why? Because I'm believing God. I'm obeying God and God has a plan for my life and devil I say to you today I'm not going to sit around until I die I'm not going to wait for the enemy just to keep attacking me so listen to what they decided these four lepers or as I say this family 
2 Kings chapter 7, verse 4. They said, if we go into the city, the famine is there and we'll die. So it's like, look, we're outside the city. We're outside. We can see the camp. <laughs> we can see the, the, the soldiers probably there. So if we go up there, they'll kill us. But let me, let me just read. Let me just read. So, so he says, and we'll still die. But if we stay here, we know we're going to die. We're already dying. So let's go to the Syrian or the Armenian camp. If they give us something to eat, we'll stay alive. But if they kill us, we'll die anyway. They weighed out their options. You got to weigh your options out before you get a strategy because you make your strategy based on your options. If you don't know what your options are, then you're at the mercy of the world. Somebody told me a story of a young man that got his hands on a piece of money and he bought cryptocurrency. And somebody stole all of it. Well, obviously, he didn't study cryptocurrency enough before he invested in it. I'm helping somebody right there. Don't just do something because somebody told you. Get some information about what you want to do. And then that will give you more of an opportunity to succeed. <laughs> oh, God. So they said, let's go into the city and we could die there because there's a famine in the city. Then they said, oh, we stay here. We know we'll die. Then number three is, well, the Syrian, if we go into the Syrian camp, they could kill us or they could feed us. If they decide to kill us, then we're going to die. So the, basically they said, any one of those options, death is in it. So let's choose the one where we have the best opportunity to live. Verse five, and they rose at twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, tell somebody God's about to surprise you. Hallelujah. God's about to surprise you. Something that you thought was going to be a roadblock, a hindrance, an army. You're going to be surprised when you walk by faith, when you take a risk. Notice they weren't surprised until they start walking. I tell, I'm telling somebody, hallelujah, once you start walking, you're going to walk into a surprise. But if you keep sitting down there, you're going to die. You're going to die. So they rose at twilight. <laughs> you got to be serious about obeying God. God, God got to be careful about telling me stuff. Pastor Deborah, no, I'll do it right then. That's, he's, God said that. I don't need no. God said do it. He meant do it. He didn't say, well, you know, James, if you kind of feel like it, you know, first you can probably shave, wash your car. No, 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 no. If he say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now. I'm going to figure out how I'm supposed to do this. They got up at twilight. Before the crack of dawn. You know, those, I should love those old army commercials. We, we do more before 9 a.m. than most folk do all day. 
When they come to the camp or the outskirts of the camp of the Syrians, to their surprise, there was nobody there. You, you know what that says prophetically? What you're afraid you're going to confront ain't even going to be there. Verse 6, for the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of a great army. So they said to each other, they said to one another. Look, the king of Israel has hired an army against us, uh, the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. And them jokers ran. When they start walking by faith, they got to a place where they realized what they were afraid of didn't exist. What some of you are afraid of ain't real. It's a figment of your imagination. God caused the Syrian army to hear a greater army than them. <laughs> See, again, you need to know no matter how big the army is coming against you, God's got a bigger army. <laughs> I, get so, I get so frustrated with pitiful saints. God made the Syrian army hear. Somebody say hear. They didn't have to see nothing. This is why you got to be careful what you hear. We got to be careful what we hear. Because we can be moved by what we hear. Good or bad. Jesus said that. Be careful what you hear and how you hear. That's why you got to get your mind right, because your mind depends on how you hear. Folks saying stuff, I ain't never said, oh, I know what's wrong with you. It's how you heard me. You heard me with your messed up mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. God made the Syrian army hear something that made them afraid. He made them hear something, a bigger army, that made them talk to each other. What God made them hear made them talk each other out of fighting. Let me give you another prophetic word. God is talking to your enemies and he's making them fight each other. Stop, stop. So let's stop fighting each other. Because you'll never know that your enemies are running from you if you keep fighting a saint in front of you. Right. 
Write this down. I'm almost finished. This is going to help you. Have you noticed the fear of dying is a motivator for both the lepers and the army? Fear of dying. Fear of dying. But there's one distinctive difference that you must get and never forget. If you get this, it'll change your life forever. Guaranteed. Here it is. The difference between the lepers and the army is the lepers wanted to live. The army of Syria was afraid to die. I'm going to say it again. The lepers wanted to live. That's why they kept going. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to eat? How are we going to go about it? What's the best way to get it? How we can do this to make sure we sustain ourselves and we keep living? Because if we sit here, we're going to die. We don't want to die. So what is the strategy for living? See, their fear of dying was different than the Syrian army's fear of dying because the, the lepers wanted to live. So my question is, if you really, really want to live, there's greater blessing in your future. But if you're just sitting down waiting to die, somebody else going to get it. So I was laying in that bed with COVID. And the enemy had to try to kill me several times. And I was a child. Four months old, I was told, don't remember I had asthma. And my father jerry-rigged some things and kept me alive. Then at 10 years old, I remember that at 10, falling out of the bed, crawling to my mother's bedroom and then collapsing because I can't breathe. And of course, you know, diverticulitis and all those different things. I'm laying in the bed and I'm like, God, I'm so tired of death trying to take me. Why don't I just go and be with you? I'm telling you. Why don't I just, you know, I'm just tired of being sick because I was sickly as a kid. I'm just so tired of fighting for my life. But all of a sudden, as I went through the valley of the shadow of death and I'm having a pity party and I'm doing all that kind of stuff. Holy Ghost said to me, boy, I ain't done with you. Wait, wait, wait. Didn't I make you some promises? Didn't I make you some promises? Don't you want to live to see me do what I promised you to do? All of a sudden, I got, the, I got the courage of a leper. I got the hope of the lepers. I said, oh, I want to live. I want to live. I rebuke the hounds of hell. I rebuke death. I rebuke everything around me that's trying to kill me. God isn't done with me yet. God's got greater blessing ahead of me. And I'm going to live and not die. Who am I talking to today? Somebody wanted to give up. I'm talking to you right now. Somebody wanted to give up. You felt and thought the same feelings and had the same thoughts I had. But I came today to tell you, you're going to live. You're going to live and not die. And you're going to get up and walk by faith. And you're going to be surprised at what God does in the next season of your life.
So I started eating to get my weight back. I started thinking different. I started, because I want to live. I'm trying to help somebody. Somebody, you better start eating right. You want to live. I'm trying to help somebody. You got to live. You got to start eating right, drinking right. You got to start working out. You got to start push-ups. and sit. You got to live. You can't just sit there and veg out because you're depressed and because things are hard and it's a famine. You got to live. live people are dependent on you the difference between the lepers and the Syrian army is the lepers wanted to live the Syrian army didn't want to die there's a big difference between not wanting to die just existing and said I'm going to live I'm going to get a strategy. I'm going to get a plan from God. I'm going to lead me and my family through this time. And God's going to surprise me, bless me, and I'm going to glorify his name. Am I talking to anybody? Oh, one more time. Lift your hands right now to God and surrender. I'm going to live. I'm going to get, let God give me a strategy for me and my family, my business, my ministry. We're going to live. We're going to be productive. We're going to let God surprise us. We're going to be blessed. This is not the end for me. It's not the end for mine. We're going to do this by faith. My brothers and sisters, don't live your life afraid to die. The singers can come. Thank you, man. Don't live your life waiting to die. Live your life wanting to live. David said, Psalm 16, the zeal of God's house has eaten me up. If you can only right now find one thing that's excited in the kingdom to keep you alive, then focus on that one thing. I got to see my mama saved. I got to see my daddy say, uh-uh, I'm not leaving here until my uncle say, I'm not leaving here till my spouse, my ch- whatever it is, live for it. So because the lepers wanted to live, they walked into a miracle blessing. Here it is, verse 8. And when these lepers came into the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried silver and gold and clothes and wouldn't hit it. What? Since they said we ain't going to sit here until we die. And got up and started walking by faith. The first tent they walked in, ain't nobody in here. Man, but they got a bunch of vegetarian food. I'm a, I'm a vegetarian. I don't know how that happened, but it looked good to me. Or, may, or maybe, maybe they weren't vegetarian. Maybe they went in, man, they got some brisket up in here. They did eat and they drank. Ooh, man, and they got my favorite sparkling water. They ate and drank 
And then they saw, oh, it's some silver over there, y'all. It's some gold, too. They turned up. They got it, went and hit it, and then they came back and went into another tent. Let's see if it's like that in the next tent. They went in and did the same thing and went away and hit it. The greatest blessing. They first they thought they was going to die. They didn't know what they were going to do. But since they didn't quit. Since they kept walking by faith, they were surprised. Can you imagine how surprised some leopard? They ain't never been in somebody's tent like that in maybe years. This is an amazing blessing. Then verse nine. Let me finish. Then they said one to another. We don't do well this day if we keep all this to ourselves. If we stay here until the morning and just enjoy ourselves, mischief, something ain't going to go right for us. Let us go and tell the king. See, the last part of this you need to understand. When God surprises you, with your miracle breakthrough blessing. Don't keep it to yourself. You know there's a famine going on out there for everybody else. Stand on your feet, please. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal kill and to destroy he said but I am come that you might have life to the full to the overflow amplified version lift your hands saints it's time that we expect the abundant life it's time that we expect to have more peace than we need so we can give peace away. You guys can line up and sing. It's time for us to have so much joy, we bring joy everywhere we go. It's time for us to live such a righteous life that people are convicted by our righteousness and holiness. And we don't mind opening our mouths and saying, wait a minute, that what you're doing is breaking God's law. He's not pleased with that. This is the abundant life. It's time for you and I, the body, to have more than what we need so we can share it with those that don't have enough. I believe with all the fiber of my being, God gave me this message to get somebody up off their couch or their love seat. Get them back into the church. Somebody needs to see your smiling face. A brother, a sister needs to hug you. Oh, we've talked and you've talked. But it's time for you to get up and not just sit there and wait for something to happen. It's time for you to get up and walk by faith and make something happen. Those lepers came out of their seclusion their leper colony. They passed through an army into a city 
and got miracle provision. I speak that over your life right now. You all can begin to sing that I may interrupt you. Come on, worship. Come on, worship him. We're in his presence. He's rearranging your destiny. You're not going to die. You're going to live. And declare the wonderful things of the Lord. You're here in this place. To hear this word. For transformation. To take place in your life. If you're in this building. Keep singing it. And you just want change in your life. Kingdom change. Godly change. If you need to have it like these lepers, you're desperate for change. Come to the altar right now. Come right now. I'm desperate for change. Waymaker, miracle world, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. make a way for you if you absolutely need change come to the altar right now you're here for change that's why we come to church and hear the word that's why we yield to the spirit of God we're here worship you Lord we worship you one more time you are here you are here we're here that's why we've come I need a change I need to see the army surrounding the army surrounding me hallelujah I worship you. I worship you. And I call you waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. And I call you waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And I call you away, make promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And we call you away, make miracle worker. Light in 
and listen, everybody, raise your hands and you watching, raise your hand. That little bitty phrase, that is who you are, is so powerful right now. Because if you don't know who you are, the enemy will make the wrong strategy for you. You'll fight the wrong enemy. You'll use the wrong weapons and you won't get the right result. So right now, I pray for you. Lift your hands, please. It's, it, 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 lift your hands. Keep them lifted. I'm praying that in this season that you will be honest with God so he can be honest with you and tell you who you really are. Not who your family, your friends, and your best prayer partner told you all these wonderful, fantabulous things about you. You need to know what God says about you. You need to know who he says you are. Because that's the only way you're going to know how to use the anointing he put on your life. So today, the Bible says, lay aside every weight and sin. See, some things aren't sins, they're just weights. They weigh you down, they weigh us down. I want you today, even you watching, I want you to let go of the weights. For some of you, it's unforgiveness. You've been holding unforgiveness in your heart so long that it's causing sickness in your body. It's causing brain fog and confusion and frustration because you won't let it go. You need to make up your mind today to be who God called you to be. He didn't call you to be an unforgiving, mean, vindictive person that opens your mouth and spews out lies on people and tells people what other people did to you. God didn't call you for that. He didn't anoint you for that. So today, let the miracle worker in your life. Let the God that keeps his promise be in your life. That is who you are. 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 That is who you are.
that is true. I call you blessed. I call you favored of God. The Bible says God surrounds the righteous with favor. He, he protects us like with a shield. I speak well over you. I say don't expect calamity. Don't expect lack. Expect to live. Expect the favor of God. Expect to be surprised by God every day of the rest of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.